How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, all right, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer. And today we're going to be talking to a new friend of mine, Dan Russell. Now, Dan is an award-winning performance marketer and the author of Snake Oil, a modern-day handbook for business leaders trying to navigate the chaos of modern marketing. Over the past nine years, he's unlocked over $50 million in recurring revenue for himself and his clients by leveraging the science of marketing. He now teaches those principles to entrepreneurs and executives through his private newsletter, the Gold Pan Report, and his involvement in tech incubator Project 10K. In this episode, you guys are not going to want to miss it. We talk about neuromarketing and we go deep. We dig into how manipulation can actually be a good thing. We talk about the marketing code of ethics and how to use marketing, obviously, morally and ethically to make sure that you're helping people. We talk about something called the Zagarnik effect. This is a really cool one that I'd never heard of. Uh, and then the biggest mistake that most starting entrepreneurs make with their marketing that prevents them from really getting their businesses up and running. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com. That's S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com to grab your copy of the number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, available now. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer. And today we've got my new friend, Dan Russell, on the show. Dan, welcome to the party, What's man. Up? How's it going? Thank you very much. Glad to be here. I'm excited to talk to you because you're. we're, we're going to be talking about marketing today. And I think the, the angle that you take on it is very similar to the angle that I have on it, being, being a lot more real, being a lot... Uh, you know, the book you're coming out with is Snake Oil. So we're going to dig into all of that sort of, sort of stuff. But before <laughs> yeah. before we dig into that, I'd love to hear, you know, how you became an entrepreneur and how you got to where you are today. I'm always fascinated uh, in people, people's backstories. So fill me in. How did you get to where you are now? I graduated college with my uh, sort of my education in finance and technology management. I was a numbers guy, very methodical thinker. And I, I had a very brief stint during college with interning at banks and and going for the investment banking track but i knew that i wanted to be an entrepreneur so i told the career service so office you did you did know even when you were in college oh i knew yeah cuz i had started a business in college i had like you know the 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 quote unquote businesses in grade school with my friends yeah um and so i knew that that was i like i had the bug yeah um so I said to the career service office at my college, like, hey, if you find a startup 
I'm interested. So they hooked me up with one that was in uh, New Jersey that was in marketing. I knew nothing about marketing, like literally nothing. And other than like a class that I took in business school. <clears throat> so I cut my teeth at that, at that company. It was, it was a, an agency that then transformed itself into a software company. So I was the second wow. hire there and helped grow that company, got really good at, at what I did, just started immersing myself in the teachings of Frank Kern and Jeff Walker and Ryan Dice and all the, all the, you know, info products yeah. out there. Eventually started taking on my own clients and built it up to the point where uh, I parted ways with that company amicably and then started on my own. So I started, you know, providing agency services. Over the years, I built a specialty in an area called neuromarketing, which is the intersection of brain science and traditional sort of direct response marketing and uh, pushed the agency into the realm of CRO, which um, for those who aren't in the world, uh, that stands for conversion rate optimization, which is a situation where a company would come to us and say, hey, something isn't working in our digital marketing stack. Something, some people we are leaking out of our funnel. We want to make our numbers better and make exactly. our numbers yeah, work. Yeah, exactly. Just go fix it. So we used uh, this uh, these neuro tactics that I had developed and started testing. Ultimately, when you say, when you you know, say neuro tactics, what, is, what does that mean? So I spent uh, years researching how the brain worked. Yeah. And, and why people say yes, why people buy. And there are all these, you know, if you re read Robert Cialdini's Influence yeah. uh, or Prefluence, his, his follow-up book re more recently, you know, about like authority and liking and scarcity. Well, there's like hundreds of others. And uh, I just got really passionate about it. I started reading about it and I started coming up with creative ways to apply these mental heuristics and patterns into our marketing in an ethical way because there's a whole like neuromarketing code of ethics. So yeah. Anyway, those are what I called neurotactics. And so I built up a database of all, you know, all of our research and eventually got burnt out by the agency life, uh, stopped offering services and started teaching what we had learned. Um, and that's what turned into what, what was originally the marketing scientist workshop and then the book. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I love what you're talking about too. One of the things that you mentioned is, uh, is you know, the, the ethical code behind neuromarketing or marketing in general. And that was something that Robert oh, Cialdini yeah. actually It's the first about. thing people think of, right? <laughs> when you start talking about brain science and marketing, it's an inevitability well, it's, that it comes it's, it's a really, It's a really important thing, I think, for us to understand when it comes to marketing. Because I think, you know, whether we're talking marketing or we're talking sales, like there can be a really negative connotation around marketing or sales simply because, you know, all of it does come down to psychological principles and helping influence right. people, like you mentioned, to, to take an action, to get to a yes rather than a no. And, and it, is, it is a tool and it can be used for good things and it can be used for bad things. Um, you know, so I, I'd actually love to dig into that for a second. Like, what is, the, what is that marketing code of ethics or the neuromarketing code of ethics? Like, are there certain principles that you really live by when it comes to your marketing that, that you'll say, like, I will never do this or we can never do this? Oh, because yeah. Once you understand, like, how the brain works, like, you can do a lot. <laughs> yeah, and actually, what I, what I realized over the years of doing this was the more that you understand about marketing, the more you realize that every 
interaction that you have, whether in a marketing context or just a you know regular conversation like we're having, is in is a manipulation. Yeah. Every, it's it's a bit of a jaded view, but I'll but stick with me here. Like it it is manipulating. Like I'm either trying to convince you of one thing, you're trying to convince me of another thing, or I'm trying to teach you something, you're trying to teach me something. It's an exchange of information. So if you really like, once you really get into the science of it, you're like, God, this is happening all over the place. Well, I think even even so, to the point where like you know, for me meeting my wife, I had to to some degree manipulate her. <laughs> manipulate her into believing that I was worth dating at some point. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like, manipulation so, has a really negative connotation, but it's like if I never manipulated her into believing that I was a worthwhile guy, we wouldn't be married. <laughs> exactly. So you have to real you have to start to so so with that understanding, you have the the the, the next logical question is okay, well, what manipulation is bad? And the 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 there's something called the neuromarketing science and business administration. They have a whole list, but really when it comes down to it. I always describe it as if you are not taking advantage of somebody's weakness or bias, then you can pretty much do what you want. Yeah. What do I mean by that? So there's a, there's a, a neuro, there's a psychological pattern called attentional bias. An attentional bias causes us to pay attention to stimuli in our environment that align with our what are called recurring thoughts at the time. Yeah. So, if I was morbidly would, obese, would you define a recurring thought kind of like a belief? Is that kind of the same? Belief or um or just something that you're really like thinking a lot about. Yeah. It's just front of mind for you. Focus, yeah. The, the best example is if I'm overweight, and I'm constantly thinking about losing weight, then images of either people who are overweight or people who are really skinny will stick out in my mind. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's a very, very simple principle uh, that could be used against some people, like, you know, especially people with mental illnesses. Another example is and this is just done in politics and it's not a secret. Um, but uh, just the power of repetition. Yeah. Uh, if you constantly state a fact over and over again, our brains become more familiar with that fact, and familiarity breeds trust. And then trust eventually leads to belief. So if I locked you in a room for like a year, probably wouldn't even take that long. Please, please, I locked no, you in a room. Yes. No windows, right? You couldn't see the sky. And I kept telling you every day, multiple times a day, that the sky is green. Eventually, you will believe me. Believe me. Yeah. Like, psychologically speaking, your brain will start thinking that thought more than the sky is blue. And so, you can take advantage of that stuff. Take advantage of people in that way. And it's done all the time in the headlines. Uh, and it's done to some extent... In marketing, when you when you hear the uh, phrase like people have to see your brand seven times or 21 times, there's juries out at this point of the number, but they have to see your brand a certain number of times uh, to before they click or before they buy from you or it's whatever. It's so funny as you're saying that now I'm thinking how many times I've heard that stat that actually is like that's a meta level yeah. of like four to 11 times. Apparently that stat is true because somebody oh, yeah. told me that stat 20 times. Because. <laughs> 
the repeated exposure builds familiar familiarity familiarity breeds trust and so the more you tr and the more you trust something the more likely you are to 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 buy from that company or to vote for that politician or to do, you know go to that gas station or buy that toilet paper or whatever it ends up being yeah well, that's pretty that's pretty crazy so marketers code of ethics we we don't we, we don't want to leverage somebody's weakness or that bias in a in a negative way. Yeah, in a nutshell, that's really how yeah. I think about it. You know, there's there's stuff like um one of my favorite neurotactics is the uh the Zagarnik effect, which states that if we have uh an unfinished task, it weighs on our minds. There's a mental stressor, mental dissonance that we feel until the task is complete. So Early on in the agency, I started thinking, how could this be applied? So we started tinkering with one of our clients' checkout pages, and we created a little animation that had little green checkboxes appear, one after another, like three of them, that said, hey, you visited the website, check. You opted in for this lead magnet, check. You uh, you know, got an email from us, check, whatever it ends up being. And then a, like, a little yellow unchecked box that says, you bought this upsell, or something like that. And it like boosted upsells by something like 30%. It was yeah. it was an, an immediate and very clear increase and because we created that dissonance and we added those to the emails as well. So a little gif that you know making Canva very easy but it's just that little like how do you actually apply this this insight that we have about the human mind in a marketing context that's not taking advantage of anybody. You're just saying hey you're you're presenting the the opportunity in a different light. Yeah, uh, that's pretty amazing. So what was what was that called? What effect? Zigarnik, Z-E-I-G-A-R-N-I-K. Fascinating um, story behind it. But yeah, so, so I'm, I'm intrigued by this stuff, by the way, my my background in so I was background in engineering, but you know, it's because I love technology and I found that the human mind is one of the most complicated pieces of technology mm -hmm. out there. And so this was this was kind of my passion behind why I love sales obviously why I, I learned marketing and why I'm a coach. And I, you know, that's what I do is my job is because it all comes yeah. back to helping others transform, influence, change the way their brain works. Um, what would you say? You said there's hundreds of these tactics. Are there maybe like two or three more that you think are really key when it comes to helping people understand what it really takes to be good marketers? Yeah, I think, um, well, I would always start with the, the big ones Robert Cialdini wrote about. Yeah. Uh, authority, scarcity, uh, liking, commitment. So these these are sort of foundational, like the most well researched uh, what neurotactics out there. Principles, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so um, where I spent most of my time, and this is like I I have the the you know back fifty pages of my book is the whole library that that I researched but the the favorites the ones that i found were most fascinating were the ones that i was just describing like the zigarnik effect or yeah. um you know past commitment rationality or um the uh 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 framing was is always a fascinating one like if you have a two packages of ground beef that are identical in the meat that they have but one says 20% lean, 80% fat, or sorry, 20% fat, 80% lean. The other one says 20% um, 
what I'm, I, I'm turning my brain upside down, but essentially you're saying the same thing in terms of the balance. Yes. <laughs> I just did a mental backflip there. Um, so you're basically saying the same thing, but in a different frame. Yeah. Um, and that's why I find it fascinating. Like, right. As I was just saying that I'm like, Oh wait, your, what was it? Your, your brain so, is going off on a different <laughs> tangent after that. Yeah. I, I remember what it was. It, it was, it was either, uh, they said 20% fat on one and 80% lean on another. Yeah. Same thing, but different frame. And people obviously go for the 80% lean more. So how can you, how can you do that with pricing? How can you do that with, you know, the inclusions of your package or, you know, service or product yeah. or whatever. So there's always like a million ways to describe something and say something and sell something uh, or establish a relationship or kick, you know, kick off a new, you know, membership in your program. Um, and this, this is like to that end, it's not just in, on the sales front, it's on the retention front, customer service front. Like there's all these different ways of enhancing the customer experience. Yeah, I, I love that. And you obviously you work with a lot of different entrepreneurs from, you know, you, when you were in an agency, a lot of online stuff, you're working with tech startups. Um, what do you see as being some of the the biggest mistakes that maybe, you know, entrepreneurs and starting business owners make when it comes to their marketing? Oh, the biggest one is is jumping into the tools and the tactics before you really have thought through your strategy. It happens yeah. all the time. 99 times out of 100, a new entrepreneur or even a seasoned one will say, okay, let's just run Facebook ads and see how it goes. Or we'll go, we'll go right to that little gif with the Zagarnik effect rather than focusing on the overall strategy. Exactly. Part. Which is why it's in the back of the book, right? Like <laughs> the whole, and I explain this, you know, to, to many people in the training programs in the book and in any time that I'm even doing a podcast interview like this. If you don't understand the the strategy, the high level the high level workings of marketing, no amount of VSLs, webinars, masterminds, you know, will help you. Yeah. It's not going to work because you haven't figured out what to say. Doesn't matter what you do if you don't know what you're saying. Yeah. So, my biggest recommendation is if you haven't sat down for a full day with a stack of blank pieces of paper or a notepad in front of you and just come up with a hundred different ways of talking about your product or service, then you're not ready to run ads. You're not ready to record a webinar. You're not ready to send out emails. You're not ready for that because you, and this is why most people find themselves spinning their wheels and hiring agencies and hiring consultants yeah. and hiring out these part, these part of it is i i think people are too lazy to want to do that like that's hard work to sit down and well, i don't and, know and if it's all that in and i just i want an agency to just do it for me yes and no right i think i think that some of it might be laziness but i think it's also just naivete yeah i think that like i've spoken to a lot of business owners about this and they're not really trying to save time. They're just trying to get results, yeah. right? They're, they, they don't, they realize that they don't know something. So somebody else must. But the truth of it is that they're the only people as the founders of the company or the people in charge running it, or the marketing executive who's in charge of the big picture thinking, 
They're the only people that can do it. Maybe if you spend a couple million dollars on a Madison Avenue contract, they're smart enough and have the wisdom to sit down in front of that piece of paper for you and come up with a unique angle and come up with the, the what I call the big idea. Right? Like Nike had come up with Just Do It back in like the 80s. They're still riding that wave. Like yeah. still. Patagonia, uh, North Face, outdoor brands that stand for something like you could probably you, you can come up with these little zingers that that most people know is like their taglines like i think um north face is never stop exploring right and people will say oh well that's just their tagline you know the 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 tagline is based on the 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 big idea is based on the tagline the truth is the tagline is based on the big idea right somebody was sitting in a room at one point and they had a bunch of crumpled up, up, up pieces of paper around them on the floor. And then they had a piece of paper in front of them and it said, never stop exploring. That was how it started. Or maybe there were multiple people in the room, but that's how it started. Right. There yeah. had to be somebody who sat down and thought of that. Yeah. And then all of the marketing around that, that one central idea blossomed. Right? It's like an atom. That's the nucleus of your atom. And the electrons spinning around it are your blog posts and your social media posts and your live streams and your podcasts and your like everything. Right. Shit you don't learn in college. That is the big idea. The podcast yeah. is are the electrons spinning around that big idea because you can take that brand and apply it in other circumstances. You could host events. You could have coaching. You like all of these other things that feed that nucleus that's the biggest mistake i see people making they skip that whole process and then they open up facebook and they're like wait what am i supposed to write they <laughs> go on a live stream they're like what am i supposed to say i don't know what to say so they feel like they're spinning their wheels saying and things is, that nobody cares about this is this is coming from an agency owner a prior agency owner saying yeah. like hey you've got to do this first like the agency yeah. can't do this for Stop you. hiring it out it's not going to work <laughs> but I, I do see that i do see that being a huge mistake that people make they try and hire it out yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't work and it's and it's not yeah. the agency's fault either then the agency gets a bad rap for not being able to figure it out but they're not the founder that's exactly right it's like walking into a mechanic shop and saying hey i need a new a new uh transmission Shop owner puts down his wrench, says, you got it. No problem. Rather than the, the, you know, it takes it takes a shop owner or an agency owner uh, who has a lot of wisdom, uh, who's not strapped for cash, who's not out to get the next sale, who truly cares about the relationship to say, why do you think you need a new transmission? Yeah. Why do you think you need to run Facebook ads? Yes, we're a Facebook ad agency. We would love your business. But why do you think that like this is right for you? Let's talk about it. Maybe I can refer out some business for you to the right person or we're not right for you right now. Come back in six months when you've got your messaging figured out. That sort of stuff. It doesn't happen because they're trying to make money. They're running a business. Yeah, I love I love that. So let's let's talk about snake oil. Snake oil is all about genuine marketing it's about you know taking it to that next level for these business owners so they don't make those sorts of mistakes right tell me about the book how this came to be and what are what are some of the major topics that you're hitting on in that book obviously it sounds like you have a whole back catalog of the cool neuromarketing tactics in there which you know, i'm gonna grab the book because that just sounds fun to me and 
digs right digs right into my past bias and passions about uh passions <laughs> about you. neurology but yeah talk to me about it well it started out as it started out as a bit of a I started writing it as soon as I had uh, I had stopped providing agency services because I was burnt out. Like I mentioned before, like I had just hit a wall yeah. and yeah. and I was just like I had been doing it for almost 10 years. I'm like, I'm just I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to teach this stuff. I've, I've got plenty to teach and I haven't yeah. I haven't written a, like a thing down. <laughs> so let me let me just, you know teach this and, and help other people like, you know, teach a man to fish. So um, at that point, that's when I started writing. You know, I had all these records of our tests and experiments and all like the neurotactics, but n none of it was organized. And along the way, I realized that it was turning into a bit of a playbook. Um, but and what I mean by that is like I have on my shelf behind me here a bunch of marketing books, other books too, but um, maybe two or three of them really encapsulate the marketing process. And even then, they don't, they're older, right? Like yeah. I've got breakthrough advertising from yeah, Eugene Schwartz. Say, it's the breakthrough advertising where you had to spend $300 to find it in God knows where. <laughs> exactly. Even then, it's just copywriting doesn't go through funnel metrics, doesn't tell you how to, you know, yeah. really dig into the uh, big idea. It doesn't go through, you know, marketing science or anything like that. So um, there's nothing that really encapsulated it, where if I were to recommend a marketing, people come to me and say, what marketing book would you recommend? I would say I have seven for you. Like yeah. there's no, and, and, and only like read these three chapters in this one and these two chapters in this one. Um, so I set out to to write a book that if you go cover to cover, you will like absolutely become a better marketer. And so I started with, you know, the first half of the book is explaining all the chaos and of the marketing world and why it exists. And the second half of the book is, okay, now that you understand why this this whole world is so overwhelming and confusing and, and baffling for so many people, let's start putting things back together. So that's where a lot of the marketing science comes in, goes through something called the funnel grid, um, helping people just understand the basic math. Like if you can calculate a tip at your restaurant, at a local restaurant, you can you can do marketing math. Um, that's, so that's, that's really a big, what, that's a big ask for some of us, by the way, Dan. So <laughs> well, <laughs> you can always use a calculator. You can always <laughs> so use the calculator on your phone. phone. All right. <laughs> exactly. So that's really where, where where the book came from. It was part frustration um, of like how crazy um, biased and and uh, in many ways uh, I don't know like sinister the marketing industry has become over the last ten to fifteen years. Yeah, um, to the disadvantage of the business owner and entrepreneur and in many ways marketing executives and and also a desire to to get the stuff that i had learned out there because uh, martin lindstrom is one of the guys that i initially read uh in the newer marketing world but everything else that's out there is not so it's not as accessible so i yeah. wanted to bring that down to earth for for people and say hey if you've got 
doesn't matter if you have a product or service. doesn't matter uh, if you're making a hundred bucks a month or a hundred thousand bucks a month or a million bucks a month or whatever size. These are the principles that you need to know about. They're not going to change. And once you understand those principles, then things get very, very mechanical. Yeah. Very mechanical. And that's the art and the science of marketing. So that's really where the book came came out of. That's awesome, man. I'm I'm definitely gonna get a copy myself, by the way. And I'm gonna check it out, see if see if we can get some to our clients. Um so a couple things. I'm I'm also just, you know, fascinated by entrepreneurs like like yourself. Uh like what's maybe one thing that maybe a weird habit or a weird thing that you do in your routine that most people don't do that you've that's allowed you to be successful. Is there something I'm always looking for those weird things that most people don't do that you may have just started doing. You're like, oh, I don't know. So I'll, I'll give you an example. One of the things for me is I actually do something called a fear journal. I legitimately write down all my fears every single day. Where most people are doing gratitude journals, I write down uh, all the negative shit, right? But it's allowed me to get it out of my head and onto paper so that none of those affect my decision-making process, right? Like, is there anything like that that you do? I have to think about that. Okay. Sort of like idiosyncratic habits. Yeah. I and I think one one thing that I would say is what makes what I believe makes what I do uh, valuable for other people is that I can think about things from a hundred different angles, and. Yeah see how a particular scenario could play out in five different ways. And so I think one of the reasons that I can do that so well is that I am voraciously reading and listening to all sorts of stuff. Like yeah. I love fiction novels. Like I got really into Dune this past summer. I love reading the news and politics. And, and so I'm, always like taking this stuff Constantly in and playing it out in my head and, and, and using that imagination. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think that that's a big one. Like there's, and I'm, I'm not sure how much in the psychedelic world your, your listeners are, but like microdosing has been a huge part of that as well. I don't know how idiosyncratic that yeah, is. I mean, we've, we've, we've definitely talked about it. We've talked about microdosing, talked about ayahuasca, DMT, all that fun stuff. So, yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, definitely. All that. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think, it, you know, the <clears throat> we talked about it, like you, you mentioned this earlier. The human mind is this incredibly complex thing. And. To like, I am like, I'm always searching for ways to stimulate it and to hack it and to like my own specifically. Yeah. Um, and I think I think just the the that voracious appetite for imagination i would yeah. say is 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 the thing that makes me a little bit strange like and, it, and a, little it's bit strange. a little bit like, different like, yeah. a conversation about pretty much anything <laughs> i love i love that man i'll do humility <laughs> speaking about having conversations about anything this is shit you don't learn in college so i have to ask you uh what's one thing that you wish you learned in school that you didn't oh <sighs> Hmm. Man. You know, I went to um 
I went to business school and they went through a lot of different classes, accounting, um, both managerial and financial accounting, like marketing. Uh, and one of the things that I, I always found was interesting was that there was, there wasn't this, there wasn't any focus on how to run a business. <laughs> and it was, it dawned on me a couple of years after I graduated. I'm like, this is nothing like the case study that we did in, you know, at, at Indiana yeah. University, which is where I went. Like we had this big case study, like, but it was building a business plan. It wasn't running a business. It wasn't how do I actually run like, a business? Yes. Like you would think that if you go to business school, like what percentage of graduates from business school start their own businesses ultimately? It's got to be like 5%, 10%, maybe more, right? Ultimately. Yeah. So if one in 10 students is walking out of business school to start a business within the next, let's say, five years, and they have had zero experience hiring, firing, uh, getting audited like uh selling like where are the where's the where are the classes on that right yeah. it was all just the 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 core curriculum business school stuff i wish i wish there was like a way to for and, and maybe there is but i wish i had the experience of having to recruit somebody onto yeah. my team how to hire an assistant how to hire a coo um, yeah. how to fire that COO when they don't work out. <laughs> um, like I was saying, all those other things. So that would be the it's, thing. It's that the I, difference, would... I think it's the difference, you know, kind of like you're talking about difference between maybe some theoretical knowledge delivered by a book and a professor and Completely. practical, practical wisdom. Like I bet the there's a way to squeeze that student, student's mind into a way of like, you know yeah. what, this is, this is uh, going to affect your grade in some way. Like you've got to, <laughs> you have to, <laughs> the fire, firing is probably the most emotional. So I'm going to use that. Like you have to fire this person on yeah. the, you know, student body, the student body president. I, I love this <laughs> idea, by the way. This sounds so messed up, but I love this idea. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that's like, that gets you experience, right? That's the stuff that you, you can't, learn in college in many yeah. ways but once it happens to you and once you like you go over that you get past it you're like damn wow like i'm 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 a better business owner i'm a better manager i handled that well or i didn't handle that well and i know i'm self-aware enough to know that i didn't handle that well so uh, all that stuff man i i think that would in, in my dreams, that would be the perfect like entrepreneurial program in college. I, I, I love that, man. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir over here. So I appreciate that. Dan, I think, I think this has been super powerful. I think our audience is going to get a lot from this. Blast, uh, one Thanks one, one question I got to ask for you is where can people learn more about you? Where can people get snake oil uh, so that they can stay in your world and, and get connected? snakeoilbook.com it's it's on there it's on amazon barnes and noble so grab a copy and uh, i'm always available to answer questions uh, i'm i've been going through social media with people saying you know posting pictures and everything of the book so i'm 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 here to answer questions if you get stuck but i i think uh, it's a pretty fun wild ride 
through the book. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I love it, man. Thanks for that. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of the, sh- of the shit you don't learn in college book as well available now. Uh, that's S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com. And then also uh, snakeoilbook.com to grab Dan's. All right, check it out, guys. Dan, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, man. It's been great. Absolutely. All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.